Hello and welcome to What Moves Us, the podcast where we ask what moves us or more accurately what's going to move us in future. With the Rail Innovation Group's Johanna Randall and Liam Henderson we look at debates, themes and decisions of the minutes that will impact on the way we get about in the future. Hello, welcome to What Moves Us. You've just got me today. Johanna is in the Atlantic somewhere sipping champagne as we speak. I sat down last week with Neil from Goodmaps to find out about their accessible product. So we're going to go straight to that interview now. Hi, Neil. Hi, Liam. How are you doing today? All is very good. Thank you very much. And for yourself? Uh, I am very good. Drinking some tea right now. So it is Thursday morning, 23rd of March, and uh, I'll give you a second to introduce yourself in future uh, in a minute. But uh, we met in Euston Station a couple of weeks ago, and I was fascinated by Good Maps and what you were doing. So I wanted to grab you and have a conversation and ask you more about it. So tell us about yourself and where you come from. So I am Neil Barnfather. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer at Good Maps, uh, based obviously in the UK. It's a US organization um, where it's based from, and uh, we provide indoor navigation technologies similar to what you expect from a Google Maps or an Apple Maps product, but crucially, we work indoors. No infrastructure, no hardware, no beacons, no Wi-Fi fingerprinting, nothing that um, might mess around with the aesthetics of an environment, rapid to deploy, and we allow people to easily, simplistically, and hassle-free navigate an indoor environment such as a railway station where indeed we met. We did a cold Euston station. So I have a lot of questions to come on to, um, which you probably guess a lot of them. So uh, first of all is how is it that you were doing this for Network Rail? So um, Network Rail is a really interesting sort of partner. Um, they've, they've been incredibly good to us and been very uh, proactive at uh, launching ahead with the technology, which has been wonderful. The journey really began um, back with TransPennine Express a few years back. Uh, they were the first UK uh, TOC to adopt the technology. Um, I, I've always been uh, admiring of their attitude and approach to the whole thing. They were very much of the view of thinking big, if you will. They, they wanted to uh, improve passenger experience and to really look at what's what's beyond just the train. We tend to um, look at improvements in the industry and in the sector as more comfortable seats, air conditioning, power points at the table and, and so forth, onboard Wi-Fi. But we don't do very much about the station environment. And we often negate the fact of, you know, before someone can go and get on the train, they need to pass through a station. And indeed, obviously, at the other end. So um, in TransPennine's case, they were very interested in uh, one of our uh, core USPs, if you will, is that uh, we're, we're fully accessible. So um, I myself am blind and I can use the product and uh, I can now navigate station environments or, or indeed anywhere where GoodMaps is deployed uh, effectively with my guide dog or my cane without the need to get uh, in, in, in Rails context passenger assist, which is which is literally mind-blowing you I, I cannot explain to you how fundamentally game-changing that is um so transpennine um they they, they deployed uh, initially at free stations and then then said oh, actually we want the whole of that line done and then uh, within probably a short year after that they finished the rest of their routes which um is wonderful and from transpennine 
uh, we were obviously uh, connected into uh, other trans, uh, train operating companies. Very good, um, very warmly received, but not really necessarily the, the, the key uptake that we had wanted. Um, fortunately, um, Network Rail really saw that, well, you know, at the end of the day, most journeys either end at a termini station or start at one and then end up in these sort of more provincial locations, you know, that perhaps TransPennine serve. So um, the uh, Northwest and Central branch of Network Rail um, went ahead and mapped the whole of their four stations. So that's uh, Liverpool Lime Street, Manchester Piccadilly, Birmingham New Street and London Euston, where the two of us met. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've just been fantastically good at adopting technology that we're all very used to things that are out there to solve accessibility needs, be that tactile paving, uh, assisted passenger, assisted travel and so forth. But they're very on the ground They're, You know, if you're looking for a 21st century uh, streamlined piece of kit that can really make an immediate difference um going digital is the way to go and they've been incredibly proactive as a partner at uh, looking at it from that point of view that is encouraging to hear and also probably surprising to some of our listeners um <laughs> so uh tell us a bit of a sorry yes we met at houston and we did a little walkthrough so tell us sort of a use case of the product so i think for this, you realistically need to break it down into uh, a couple of key demographics. Person arrives at a train station, they're in a hurry, they're not familiar with the station, and they just want to get in. They realize they've got uh, eight minutes to go to the station, to the train departing, and they just need to get to that platform fast. If you're unfamiliar with that environment, it can be daunting. You know, there might be a few thousand people in the dwell areas on the main concourse and so forth. You know, you're, you're desperately looking for signs and so forth. It's just, you know, really overwhelming to a lot of people. And this is not factoring any form of disability in any context whatsoever. They're just big and, and overwhelming. Um, so the, if you imagine the person who's just in a hurry and just wants to know they're going in the right direction and get them to that thing, that's 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 one use case the obvious other example that sort of fits into that sort of similar space is you've arrived at a train station you've got to maybe change to another train or indeed again you know our first example but instead of only having eight minutes to go they realize they've got 14 minutes they're not totally sure if they've got enough time for a coffee or to go and get a sandwich or visit the bathroom etc but if they if they knew where it was and they had that confidence factor of okay yeah I, I can see where that is i now know how long it's going to take me to walk that they're going to go and do it um so we're increasing retail opportunities for for train station tenants uh, and we're we're increasing visibility and awareness of what's available by way of facilities so uh, that, that that's really important and we've heard from um some of our, our partners now in the rail industry how you know you particularly if you're changing trains you'll arrive on a platform you'll think well i've got 17 minutes to go but you'll quite often only utilize the resources on the platform that you have because you're a little bit nervous that well is there something you don't want to go and explore and then either a get lost or b not you know end up finding out where well, there was nothing actually elsewhere so the ability to look at a directory and understand what's available understand how far away it is and navigate to it really helps and then 
I guess the third use case, which is really our, our heritage and, and where we came from, is that disability angle. So whether you're a wheelchair user needing step-free routing, um, and indeed, by the way, obviously, if you help someone in a wheelchair, you also help people pushing pushchairs, you help people with huge amounts of luggage, you help people delivering to those, those uh, station uh, tenants, um, you help someone like myself. So uh, I'm blind, I'm a guide dog user. Uh, the other day I arrived at Euston, I had a train to catch in six minutes. Uh, the requirement is 10 minutes clear notice to get to passenger assistance to take you to a train. Um, they're often not always available, etc. I made it to that train in three minutes. So this is hugely impactful to, to someone in my position. Then, of course, you've got uh, the maps can be in multiple languages. So you're helping people where language barriers kick in. Um, but of course, you also now just help someone who's deaf or you know hard of hearing who perhaps can't manage to engage with pers personnel on the station to get that support. Well, if they've now got an interactive tool, they're able to be empowered to support themselves and, and to manage that situation for themselves. And indeed, of course, then we sort of move into the neurodiverse community and, you know, very overwhelming as we've talked about, but if we can zoom in, as it were, focus on a phone, focus on an app that we have seen, you know, in, in real terms can be the difference between allowing that person to manage in the environment and feel okay. And then, and then finally, I suppose the one we've heard quite a bit about is the, just the safety angle, like, you know, it's late at night, perhaps I'm feeling a bit vulnerable in this space. I'm not sure I'm going the right way. I don't want to be somewhere maybe that's out of the way of CCTV cameras, et cetera. So those are the sorts of, you know, obvious use cases. There are others, but, but in essence, those are your core sort of things. Right. So, okay. Lots of questions just came out of that. For people who aren't familiar with your app or your mobile tool, is you mentioned that people would be worried about leaving a platform to go find a coffee, but does your tool say, here's a list of the coffee shops and how far they are from you? It's like how, and, and what's the, what's the pro, how are you reassuring someone on a platform that they have time to go up, get a coffee and come back? Fantastic. Knowing yeah. that the destination is there. It's a good, good question, and the answer is twofold. So in today's experience, we don't actually provide a time frame. Um, so I'm going to give you an A and a B answer. So today we don't give you an actual time frame. However, I think that um, we have seen, so it's an anecdotal answer, but we have seen firsthand the the, the notion that the person probably has a, a, a vague familiarity with the, the, you know, they can visually assess the scope and scale of a station environment. And if they know something's there, they are more inclined to go and actually try because they know how long they've got. And if it takes more than two minutes, three minutes to get there, then, well, then they might about turn, but at least they've, they've got that knowledge. In um, June, July of this year, we're releasing our, our next major release of the software, uh, which will be you know, deployed across all our locations. And that will include an estimated walking time to that location. So um, there's a couple of other big things that are coming with that release, but specifically the, the one that addresses uh, what you've just discussed, which is how long it will take to physically walk to that, that, that location. Right. But it sounds to me like there's an opportunity then following on for sort of what is in the stations. Yes, absolutely. And and that's that's the key thing. So now you're looking at your directory in a station environment. You're saying, well, we've got a Burger King, we've got a, you know, WH Smith, we've got a 
you know, what have you, a Marks and Spencers, et cetera. Um, and now I can see that that one is a three minute walk away and that one is a five minute walk away. That empowers me to make an informed decision about which one I may choose to use. And indeed, if you think about, for example, I mean, we do provide, um, you know, uh, measurements as to how far away something is. So that that's obviously a, you know, but obviously it depends if you know you know how far you walk and how and what that physically means so the new iteration will be i i feel more beneficial but for example um if you take a large london termini and you you want to go and you want to use the facilities so you want to go to the toilets um it, what you don't want to be doing is going you know beyond where you have to go so you want to know where the nearest toilet is that's something we're able to do for you today here and now and you can use the app to achieve that you mentioned that you turn up at the station six minutes in advance which i would question why you're turning up so late to the station however um when you went into the station how did you know which platform to go to do you again have to select that from the app does the app tell you or did you have to go somewhere else to find the platform and then plug it into your system to tell, take you there Good question. So today um, we are relying on a, so any, any end user will use a third party solution, whatever their particular app of choice is. Uh, we are working with Network Rail to get access to the data set for, for, to plug into the app. And that will be used, I'll come back to how that could be used. But so in answer to your question, as I was coming up, you know, out of the tube, I had the uh, third party solution up. I looked at destinations going where I wanted to go and I could see which platform it was. And I just happened to see, oh my goodness, this one in six minutes, I can make that. So it wasn't really, you know, I wasn't on a set train, but that one, that that's empowerment right there. Because, you know, ordinarily I'd have had to have gone up, seen the board, you know, worked the whole thing through and then gone to passenger assist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I'm on an escalator riding up into the station. I now know that there's a train in six minutes and it's going from platform X. And I'm now then launching our app, tapping on search, typing in platform insert, and boom, off I go. Uh, so that that's the today state. The ideal would be, um, as we do with um, other partners in, in other geographies. Um, so, for example, uh, if, if you take it in a train context, if I localize on a concourse, I want to know every arrival and every departure in that station. But if I localize on platform two, I'm only interested in arrivals and departures from platform two. Um, so that's the sort of thing you'd be then able to do. And indeed, an extension of that would be things like, okay, what if I've bought my train ticket and I've got a reserved seat? And assuming we know the configuration of the train that's coming into the platform, we could now have me standing at the right point to board the train at the, you know, within that sort of act, that, that predetermined level of accuracy. So, you know, now I'm standing there, the train's rolling in past me and it's just stopped and there's a door right, right here. And that's the correct door to get on at the correct end of the carriage to take me to my reserved seat. So that's the kind of power that you could start to get as the integrations are plugged in. Right. And I guess then, uh, well, last question is, you navigate to a platform. Do you currently do internal to trains? 
Um, so we're not yet doing internally within a train. That's not something we're we're doing. We are able to to do that. It's not something that we've been especially asked to do. We've we've looked at it with some of the train operating companies. Um, there are there are obviously challenges with it. So there's obviously, if you imagine, effectively each and every uh, carriage has a huge amount of repetition. Our systems designed to work around the architecture of a space so if you've got if, if if carriage a through h is you know identical in, in essence um that can cause challenges however um we have uh, various uh, means at our disposal that are very and i mean when i say very i mean extraordinarily low lift for the toc to do uh, to modify the carriage um which would allow our system to pick that up um and in reality you're, you would be helping predominantly the disabled community, but there would be uh, fringe use cases for people who perhaps, you know, were unfamiliar with the service. So if you travel on TransPennine every single day, you probably know where their where their signs are located to indicate what the carriage is. But if you, you know, never ever, you know, then suddenly you go to Advanti service, you might be, oh, crikey, where, how do I find out what carriage I'm in? You know, maybe it's not in the same place. So there is still a use case for that individual to be able to, we've all been there, haven't we? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard this 1030 service. We've got a buffet and coach, blah, blah, blah. And you're sitting there going, right, but is that that way or that way? And, you know, that's when being able to orientate yourself without a, a huge amount of effort would be beneficial. Right. Yes, it is. Okay. So let's go back to probably first principles is, you mentioned at the start everything that Good Map doesn't need to map a station. So what does it need and what do you do? <laughs> yeah, so um, the way we do it is we walk into an environment uh, and we conduct a scan. Um, this is using a handheld uh, device that we have. So um, we, we're able to pass through the space. Uh, we, don't, we don't require any support or assistance from staff other than uh, not to be interfered with because the system does require ostensibly a fluid process so we don't need to be stopping at gate lines and stuff like that so we, we obviously like that in a train station situation the staff to be aware that guy's going to be walking through the space with this device don't stop him and just throw the gate open etc um that device is collecting lidar we're very familiar with lidar probably nowadays uh, it's effectively lasers being used to measure an environment and it can be used in a in a sort of single dimension so on the x-axis the y-axis etc we use it to collect um, lidar across all three planes which allows us to produce a 360 degree representation of the space in a in a computer uh, generated format um those are called point clouds that's that's a term that anyone who sort of hung around lidar far too much will recognize um with the LiDAR data, we produce the floor plans uh, of, of the environments, which can be beneficial to places that don't have floor plans. You'd be quite amazed, but certainly in the rail industry, particularly, you know, some of these stations that are 50 years old, 60 years, 100 years old. And, you know, the diagrams, the, the, the blueprints just don't exist. So that's one of the offsets. Uh, you own your data, so we actually can export that to you and give that to you. So um, that's the first piece that we're collecting in the same scan so simultaneously we are collecting high resolution imagery again in a 360 degree um process so 
The reason we collect those at the same time, so the device is collecting both, is because that allows those images to be geo-referenced. So that means we know this image is tied in the point cloud at this spot. So you now have an image that's that we have an actual representation for within the point cloud. We take all of those images and we push them through a machine learning algorithm, which highlights to us all of these geometric formations, these things that I would perhaps more easily talk to you about as architectural features. So right angles of door frames and struts that make up roofing areas and all of that sort of stuff that basically isn't likely going to change. All the erroneous material. So naturally, you know, we don't close the station, we walk through it. There's people going to be caught in those images. There's baggage, there's, you know, trolleys of food supplies going onto trains. All that disappears. It goes. It's bon voyage. It's it's out of here. Um, we don't need that. It's erroneous. It it it's just you know data that was unnecessary. This happens totally seamlessly. So it's um there's no human involved in this piece, um, which helps obviously you know avoid any form of risks of you know compliance and you know well hang on did you just you know have you got me in that scan? We have, but obviously once it goes through the machine learning algorithm, you're gone. And um, importantly, the, the the files are stored in such a way on the device that they can't be reviewed prior to that machine learning algorithm. So they're 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 stored in that way. So now what we're left with is a point cloud and a feature cloud. Point clouds the lidar, feature clouds the these architectural features, these geometric formations, and the two things are tied together with the geo referenced point. That means when you're now in the environment with your phone do we use the rear camera on the phone to send very low resolution frames so although it's a camera these aren't images like you know you'll see in an apple or a google pixel advertisement where you sort of see them going oh i took a picture of a vase of flowers over there and now i can magnify the pollen you know these are the lowest possible resolution that you can humanly get so if in these images a human being was caught in that they're actually unrecognizable it looks like something out of a stephen king movie so i'm told um right. and but what we're looking for is the architectural features and we don't need high resolution on those for obvious reasons so that frame is pinged off to the server it's compared at lightning speed um, by technical wizards that I possibly couldn't even explain to you. Um, and that then returns a positive localization. So we're saying that frame is geo-referenced to this location in the environment. And as you can probably imagine, if we know where you are and which way you're facing, we can now give you navigation. And that is pretty it, much it. So that is Yes. Okay. Trying to visualizing in my head how that would work. Okay. So then we have the station. So if just reading from my questions here, right? So your business then is are you providing a service to locations or are you dealing with the end user customers or what is the business model? Good question. So the um, the business model is we are a service to the venue. So the app is free to download. So if you wish to use the app today, um, you go into a Good Maps powered environment and you download the app, uh, iPhone or Android, and it is free of charge to you to use. You can 
walk around that environment to your heart's content. Um, the venue pay for it. And um, obviously they get a couple of things from it. Firstly, obviously they're getting that, that scan data. So that's, that's theirs and they can repurpose it. And we see all manner of repurposing taking place. Um, but essentially uh, they are providing a service. So if you, you know, at one end of the spectrum, you might think about, um, you know, free Wi-Fi, right? That's a service they might provide in that environment. And indeed signage as a very analog way of producing and, and assisting with wayfinding is one way that an environment helps move their customers and people around in their space they might have another way which is you know we've got a great big stack of a4 printouts of the space and you know you walk in and they'll say oh you're here and they do a little cross they draw a line saying you need to go here and then you take your a4 sheet of paper very on you know lacking in environmentally friendliness and not desperately helpful to a person so the model to the business is they 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 pay for that and it's seen as a service that they're offering to really enhance the experience we're, we're all used to smart technologies that really improve and enhance the way you in you know interact with a space and this is very much how our customers see it they're they're enhancing their the experience that they're offering in, in the rail obviously that's about accessing the environment it's about inclusion and it's about letting people know what's there and whether or not they can get to it and how okay and then do you do you do your customers report that they have been able to commit less resource to passenger assist type things if people are able to do these small journeys themselves so I, I I tend to look at it from a, from an accessibility standard. I tend to look at it as we're increasing capacity as opposed to uh, allowing the TOC slash network rail, et cetera, to diminish or reduce how much passenger assist is available. Obviously, that may ultimately end up being a offshoot. Who really can say? But if you take it from this stance, let us assume, and I don't know the numbers, let us assume that at Network Rail's London Euston Termini, in peak times, there might be 10 members of staff designated to passenger assist. I do not know what the number is, but let's say it's 10. That 10 army of, of, of people can only support 10 people concurrently. And obviously, there's downtime when they're walking to and fro and, and all the rest of it. By deploying good maps at Houston, what you have achieved is an ability to increase the capacity from 10 to an infinitesimal number. It's it's just, you know, anyone can use it whenever they want. You know, good maps doesn't have sick days, it doesn't have holiday, it, it it's it's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but I don't see it as a, and, and we certainly don't position ourselves as you can now reduce that 10 down to eight or down to seven. I, I very much see it as, you know, at the, end, at the end of the day today, I have no backup for this whatsoever, brother. This is just a, a, a Neil as a disabled, you know, member of the, the society using spaces. But my gut reaction is that we don't have as much passenger assist as we would not ideally like. Obviously, there are economics behind that. You, you know, you've got to be realistic. Um, and I, I feel that, you know, 
the system though ultimately hasn't changed for decades you know i i've been doing this for a very long time i rock up at a station i have to find someone or just stand still hoping that someone will offer assistance um it's it's very analog it's very um you know almost there's no intention in this way but it's very much your past from post to post to post you know it's like passing on a, a baton in a relay race um and that's the thing that we're we're changing the, for them that's the piece that's you know uh, I, I i use this expression in retail quite recently that independence is the ability to sort of wake up and say well today i'm going to go to london and i'm going to you know go to the, the millennium wheel or whatever the heck right um autonomy is the ability that, that layers on top of that that says i can go when i want under my own terms and i don't have to tell anyone or ask a soul for, for help in doing that. And that's what um, the rail industry is is acquiring in, in doing this sort of deployment. Right. That is a very positive message then. Okay, so just to finish up then, um, I'm sure I probably have many, many more questions, but I've written so many notes. Uh, where, so as a blind person experiencing transport and also having this product now, where else would you like to get your hands on to map? I think environment? absolutely. So if we if we pretend for a second, more rail stations isn't the blindingly obvious answer yeah. to that. <laughs> um, you know, um, because at the moment I can start my journey at Euston, but I can't end it where I wish to go, or I, you know what I mean, and so forth. And there, there are many many stations that you know we we want to we want to have that 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 ability um aviation is the obvious next one i am green with envy when i hear my american blind compadre talking about being able to go through the five six airports now we've got mapped in the us um and so aviation that really allows for that complete trip the idea that i could rock up at paddington for example and then hop on the heathrow express and then go through security check in blah 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 to my gate <laughs> that is the the golden ticket um outside of transport directly healthcare healthcare really really struggles um with this business because obviously you know you rock up as particularly as a disabled person um if you're visiting family you're not the patient therefore they do not have a function to support family members through the hospital by way of porter service so you're literally on your own you're relying on on human kindness uh so healthcare would be a, a natural obvious other location and and realistically uh retail uh shopping malls um where i live we have a, a retail mall near us 267 the last time i looked uh stores in that location i know where four of them are and what those four are i know i know whatever ones exist in there by and large but I have absolutely no idea how to get to them. And if you think about the power of the, the spending power of the disabled community alone, that is just preposterous to think that those retail outlets are missing out on my spend simply because I don't know how to get into them. I mean, it's just it mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. So those are my obvious, you know, uh, retail, healthcare, and, and broader uptake. I mean, we could go further. I mean, you look at, academia like you know how do you access a university campus if you know you know you are profoundly disabled in some fashion 
you know, and this goes into employment. We have a huge amount of employers on board where they've got office building maps. And I'm mind blown every single time at, um, you know, uh, office providers and, and corporate environments saying to us, you know, why would we not do this? Like, you know, we want to have a rich and diverse employee base. <laughs> and if our employees can't even get into our building for our interview, let alone once we say yes, then navigate to the toilets or to the canteen or whatever, how on earth do we expect them to say, I want to work for you? So employers deploying this sort of stuff in their corporate facilities, um, we've, we've seen a huge uptake in that space. Wow. Yes, it does sound blindingly obvious when you point it out like that. Yes. Okay. So you told us that something uh, that a version is coming out in June. What else is coming up? So I think um, the the most exciting updates will be the three dimensional map that we'll be bringing in. So at the moment, the interface, uh, because of heritage, because of our legacy, is is dominantly aimed at supporting someone who's got a, a disability, it's visual impairment uh, predominantly. Obviously, it, it does support because of the contrast situations, uh, other communities, but quite specifically, you know, it wasn't designed for a razzmatazz and a, wow, that's that's something to be, you know, beholden by if from a visual perspective. So that's that's what's coming. Um, the, the 3D map, that's really exciting. And then obviously, um, we will be bringing into that um, augmented reality that that will be on on very closely on the heels of the 3D map, probably a month or so behind. Um, so that'll allow someone to hold up their phone, visually look at their surroundings as they're seeing them with their eyes on their phone, as you know, outside of the phone, and then have that line uh, on the floor, an arrow in essence, you know, sort of going this way, this way, this way, you know. So that's another style of navigating. And then um, the the other sort of stuff that I suppose really, um, you know, would be super exciting to sort of talk about with is accuracy. I mean, we're we're already at that um, you know optimum condition situation of one meter accuracy, but we'll be bringing that number down. Uh, and and these are all backward compatible things. So all of our venues get these improvements as they come out. So those are some of the things that you can expect to see this year. Um, and, and, you know, it, I think the, the most exciting thing is it, it's that almost community feel to it, you know, that the, the, the end user is having that one app that they're using in, in, a, in an Asda retail environment, at a Transpennine Express train station, at a network rail terminal, at their employer, you know, in a shopping mall, at a university. And so it becomes that ubiquitous solution that you already know how to use. You just, and off you go. Wow. Okay. Vision for the future. Brilliant. Thanks for that. I am, yes. I have a page full of notes and actions to do. So yes, thank you very much for that. It's fascinating. Um, and good luck. Thank you very much for having me uh, to talk to you today. Thank you. See you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Moves Us. We hope we moved you. For more episodes, you'll definitely want to subscribe to our channel. Until next time.